Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. I would think that there would be an inclination to try to bring in somebody with an offensive background. Again, doesn't mean it's a disqualifier if you have a defensive coach or somebody on special teams, but I would think that you were going to look heavily into the offensive bucket just to try to figure out with all that bright young talent on offense and frankly some of the frustration that you've heard expressed in very diplomatic terms by the likes of Justin Jefferson about uh, how they're playing uh, football. Uh, It would make a lot of sense to try to just inject some new juice. There's always a theory within the NFL you kind of do the opposite from your previous head coach so hiring a young offensive minded person would certainly uh, be a potential fit. There he is. Looking good. There he is, one of the founding fathers of 1500ESPN.com, Tom Pelissero, um, NFL Network. How'd you guys enjoy your super wild oh. card weekend? It's not even over yet. We get it's a Monday night game. The Rock is going to join the Eli Manning cast tonight. Be a blast. I got a statement about it. About that? Okay. About The Rock joining? No. About, knows how you feel about, about the weekend. Oh, about okay. the weekend. About yeah. super. I don't want to weigh in yet. Okay. 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 <laughs> we'll get to we'll get to statements. Purple Daily today too. We're just uh, we're we're feeding you all of the news information and speculation that we can as the Vikings look to redo their organization. So over the weekend, some really interesting information coming out about the Vikings culture under Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman. Uh, we had some comments from Deion Sanders, a great insider piece from Ben Gessling and uh, Andrew Kramer and Mark Craig also contributed to that. So I think let's go through some of the things that have reportedly happened recently and over the years that led to where we are now with the Vikings. And then we can spin it ahead by discussing, OK, based on what we know happened, what needs to change? What 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 should they really be looking to accomplish here? as these searches get underway over the last couple of days. Um, and this is Mackie and Judd, your home for Minnesota sports, daily entertainment, speculation, sometimes just Judd fighting with Cousins Crusaders on Twitter all weekend long. We'll give you whatever you need here. It's my calling. I do what I got to do. <laughs> the Lord's work. I love it. Exactly just, right. You pulled out your sword and yep. just for 48 hours. Yep. You were John Stark, the <laughs> yep. John Stark gift of all the army and just fire, yes. fire and brimstone, gentlemen. That's what that was. Fire and brimstone fittingly on a Sunday. I would have preferred to rest. I didn't get the opportunity. Okay. That's hilarious. So, all right. So Deion Sanders. So he's on the Barstool Sports Pro Football Show. And on Saturday's pregame edition of that show, Dion said he spoke with his dear friend and former position coach, Mike Zimmer, during the week. 
And he said Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman hadn't talked in months, and it was a downward spiral. Months, as in plural, as in multiple months. Yep. That's what Mike Zimmer told Deion Sanders. And then in the same breath, Deion also said, and I'm paraphrasing here, he made a comment about what do all the coaches that got fired have in common? Look at the quarterback play. And it was like he was delivering it as his opinion, but it was literally like a continuation of his Mike Zimmer sentence. And so I'm guessing in that phone conversation between those two guys, Mike Zimmer had a thing or two to say about Kirk Cousins, who he's never really taken a liking to over the last four years. Mm -hmm. So that was interesting. Mm -hmm. And then I'd love to go through here with you guys. Uh, Well, first off, what do you think about the fact that Zimmer and Spielman haven't talked in months? Um. I think that that is a complete indictment of the people who own this team because of the man who literally manages the 53-man roster and the man who leads them on the field aren't talking. It's the first of many things that I'd like to be clear in saying this. We, Phil, Judd, Declan, we aired in our earlier discussions throughout the course of this year because despite being told that we were being reckless and that we were full of BS and that that's nothing. Oh, you guys are assuming things. Things at TCO Performance Center were worse than we said. Like we yes. should have, we should have, we should have gone heavier. We didn't know to, but my point is for anybody out there, fans or people in our business who tried to gloss over what was going on. It was worse than what we said. And I think we were the only ones, aside from probably like Collar, who who said this is bad. Um, but shame on the Wilfs for either not knowing or knowing and doing nothing about the fact that there was obviously a long period of time. Because why would Mike lie to Dion privately? He wouldn't. Mm-hmm. Where the GM and coach quit talking. Shame on the Wilfs. Because... If they didn't know, that's a red flag. If they the way, did when, know, that's a red flag. Yeah. When Mike says that to Dion, those guys are friends going back 20, 25 years, right? Those guys work together with the Cowboys in the 90s. When they have that phone conversation, Mike's not thinking about Dion as media Dion. Like Dion does some stuff for Barstool. I think he's done at NFL Network, right? He's a he's yeah, the he's Jackson just, State yep. coach and he does some stuff for Barstool. Correct. And so you know, Zimmer is talking to his friend and then probably not realizing, oh, yeah, my friend also has well, this huge Internet football show. And sometimes he's going to say some things and probably and not that not that like Zimmer probably wants that out there. Right. Yeah. I don't. Well, my GM's an idiot and we didn't get along. Mike and, probably told Dion way, way more and oh, said, yeah, yeah, don't don't bring this stuff up. Yeah. But so, yeah, this is but this was this was worse than we ever came close to saying. And we thought it wasn't good. Also, you know, I, I think one of the things that bothers me is there's there are there are people with microphones in the Twin Cities that instead of shining a light on the truth or or just like discussing the truth and figuring out what to do going forward, actively lied to their audiences about this football team. And that rubs me the wrong way. You know, we're not always right by any means on this show. Every Wednesday, accountability session, mm-hmm. right? We are wrong a lot. But our sense was right. And we usually like throughout the eight years of us doing a show together, 
we differ on things and we tend to disagree and we hash things out. And it's like we've been so much in lockstep the last six months about this football team. We've both covered the NFL, you more than I have. We've both been around organizations. You know, I've, I cover baseball a lot more than I cover. You can tell when things are off. You can tell when players are acting weird. You can tell when the energy is low. You can tell when coaches and managers are making little drive-by sideways comments about their superiors that, like, something's not right. And something felt off the entire season about this football team. And you're right. It was actually worse than we thought. Let's go through a few bullet points here. The Star Tribune article. Ben Gessling, uh, deep dive, he talked to 20, he and then his, his colleagues, Andrew Kramer and, and Mark Craig, talked to 20 different people within the organization, many of them granted anonymity, just because otherwise they wouldn't talk. Like, I don't want my name on this, but you go ahead and hear, here's the vibe inside the room. Some of this has already been reported. Some of this is, is new. All of it reinforces the weird vibes that we all felt, that many of us felt throughout the season. So let's start at the end. Rick Spielman showed up on Monday last week thinking that we're going to fire him. We are going to fire Mike Zimmer today. It's a glorious day in Rick Spielman's mind. He probably woke up, gave his wife a big hug and a kiss, said, finally, we get to look for a new head coach. Mm -hmm. Uh, He did not expect his own dismissal last Monday morning. And despite the shocking dismissal, it was Spielman that addressed the team at 9 o'clock last Monday morning. Zimmer did not. Your thoughts? Well, yeah, Mike. So Mike addressed him uh, basically as dead coach walking on Saturday before the game against the Bears. So I think he thought, well, I have uh, fulfilled my obligations to talk to my players by I'm out. Rick was caught off guard. So my thought about this is, is in trying to recklessly speculate and put the pieces of the puzzle together for why a guy who had started his own GM search to find his replacement because he was going to get a new title is suddenly fired. Mike must have come to the Wilfs with something like, like, cause you wouldn't, I don't think you would decide that late. Well, we were a little bit concerned about the GM candidates, not, not wanting Rick looking over our shoulder, which is what I previously thought. But then the more I thought about this, if Rick showed up on Monday, like the Wilfs would have told Rick, Days before that, hey, dude, you know what? Probably not, not going to work to put you in a president of football ops job and then have a GM who wants control. And that person might be concerned about your presence. So like that, what I just said makes sense. But it also makes sense for the Wilfs then to have come to that conclusion the Friday before. Right, Phil? Yeah, it feels like something, something a happened. conversation took place either with a candidate or some other information came to light. Yeah in like the 72 hours or more leading up to Monday, and then they did an about face. Yep. That's what it feels like. And so the only thing, the only person I can figure that would have gotten to them um, that would make sense probably is Mike. Because they liked Mike. And if Mike said, hey, look, I haven't talked to this guy. I mean, let's play this out recklessly speculating. But when we recklessly speculated before about how bad things were, we didn't go far enough. So let's go off the cliff. You know, the Wilfs liked Mike, and I wonder if the Wilfs didn't talk to Mike at some point in time over the weekend, and Mike said, hold on a second, you're keeping Rick, but, but not me. Let me tell you about Rick. And let We me, haven't spoken in months. And that's what I was going to say. Yeah. It, it seems incomprehensible, but what if the Wilfs, and I'll fault them, I'm not, I'm not gi- giving them a pass here, but what if the Wilfs 
legitimately didn't know that the coach and GM hadn't spoken. And then the coach is like, that guy hasn't talked to me for four months. Yeah, and this kind of goes to – so Alex Boone came on Purple Daily last Tuesday. And I told you this uh, during our emergency episode over the weekend, but I'll, I'll bring it up here on Mackie and Judd too. He said something I kind of disagreed with in the moment. <clears throat> he said, it's a bigger problem than you think that the Wilfs live in New Jersey and they're not in that building on a daily basis. He said, when I played, it was like it was a big event. If the Wilfs would show up, you know, however often that was, it wasn't like they were just like never there. But when they showed up, it was like, oh, the oh, the, the Wilfs are here. Okay, let's straighten up a little bit, you know. Mm-hmm. Maybe you put on a non-bacon collared shirt. Um, and he said the fact that they live in New Jersey, it's harder to have a pulse on the daily operations inside the area. And if what Dion is getting from Zimmer, that it's been months since Rick and Mike have talked to each other, it might be a little bit of an over an exaggeration. But if let's say they just like had a had a falling out, they just hated each other. And it was just a non-working relationship going back to like the middle of the season. That's something I would want to know if I'm an owner. Okay, this is crisis mode. We're in a playoff hunt right now, and there are roster decisions to be made. And you guys aren't speaking. Like, did they did they know? And they just figured, let's just ride this out. We're gonna we're gonna make some moves anyways. But they were in a playoff hunt. It's so bizarre. Let's keep going here through the the Star Tribune story. Yep. Many described a working environment that was too impersonal, too unresponsive to change, and left them too much on edge. Veteran assistants like Tony Sperano, who was the Vikings offensive line coach for a few years before he passed away in 2018, Mm -hmm. or a co-defensive coordinator Andre Patterson, did damage control with players who were stung by Zimmer's public criticism or silence. Sources said, by the way, the next thing I'm about to read I remember bringing this up last year, and some people laughed like this. You, you're taking this way too yeah. far, and now it has been confirmed. Yep. Sources said defensive end Daniil Hunter experienced the latter, meaning like he felt stung after choosing season-ending surgery on a neck hernia in 2020. Remember, Zimmer came out publicly and said, "Someone said, hey, have you spoken?'" With, it, it had been like three weeks since the surgery, and he, and someone said, "Hey, have you uh, have you spoken with Daniil Hunter yet?" How's he doing? And he said, I haven't spoken to him. Mm-hmm. Very tersely said, I haven't spoken to him. Mm-hmm. You're, what? Your you're Hall of Fame caliber pass rusher that is one of the most like ferocious defenders in the NFL just had a pretty major surgery, and you didn't even like call him mm-hmm. and ask how he was doing a couple days later? No. I focus on the players that well, are here, right? And- players, players tried to return quickly from injuries, fearing... Longer recovery time would jeopardize their standing in the organization. And don't forget, too, so to, to go back to the thing with Daniil in training camp of 2020, the tweak thing was what Mike really thought. So, like, the, he got mad at the media because they thought that he knew it was severe and was lying. He was told initially, yeah, it's a tweak. So, mm-hmm. so as it got worse and worse, Mike stuck with, it's tweak. It's just a tweak. And, and that's what Are you saying Mike had a hard time uh, adjusting and, and adapting and, and so, but, and evolving? But, and I think that's why the Hunter camp, as they learned that this was not a tweak, said, screw it, we're going to get this done. Um, go back to Sharif Floyd. Back in the salad days of Mike. Those were the good old days. Mm-hmm. He literally called out a guy whose career had, who, whose what, leg or knee had been butchered by accident by the surgeon. He literally called him out as being 
not tough enough to be playing right now. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there was no, when, when it came to guys who were hurt, there was not a lot of, of room. I mean, come on. God bless the kid, but let's go to the Dalvin game against Pittsburgh. Do you really think Dalvin Cook was in any condition as a human being to, to play? And now, look, Mike is not, this is not all, all Mike. And that was not one where where I'm sure there were a lot more teams that would have done the same exact exact thing. But all of that being said here, yeah, Mike, Mike looked at things as tweaks and dings. And I'm sure Mike thought he just got his bell wrong. Why? Why is he not on, you know, playing? So, yeah, this I just caution here, though, to uh, quickly to slow down a little bit. There's a lot in here about what Mike did wrong. But I do think we need to expand it to there were a lot of people that did th- things wrong, too. So like this, this piece by the Strib, which is good, and I'm not faulting them one bit. The only thing I didn't like is it leaves people dumping on one person. And that one person's a major part, but certainly not the entire story. Yes. And, I, and also, I think the fact that a lot of this was just sort of left unchecked by the front office and the players, too, that there just wasn't enough leadership presence. There wasn't. They're just you can you can in the NFL especially you can check your coach. You know, I mean the New York Giants are the classic example, right? They the players literally called a come to Jesus meeting with Tom Coughlin in the off season of 2007 and said, "Guy, we ain't gonna play for you if you're gonna keep doing this, right?" And that was led by Strahan and some of the other veteran players. Um, and and just on the Neil the, the Neil Hunter front, I remember when that came out and it was like, wait, he hasn't spoken with Daniel Hunter yet. After a major surgery, that's that's super weird and impersonal and mm-hmm. a major red flag when it comes to his leadership and ability to connect with players. Like, why would you not care about his well-being, right? Uh, let's continue here. After the 2014 season, according to a source with knowledge of the situation, Zimmer went to Hugh Jackson. So this is after his first year. Went to Hugh Jackson. This got out. Yeah. Asking his friend from the Bengals coaching yep. staff to teach him more about <laughs> offensive play calling so he could better evaluate Norv Turner. Mm-hmm. How about that? He's going to Hugh Jackson so he can evaluate Norv bleeping Turner, yep. who's on a different level than Hugh Jackson and Mike Zimmer. Zimmer grew more outspoken about past plays he didn't like or a need to run the ball more on the coach's headset during games in 2015. Mm-hmm. And then eventually he had a big blow up with Noah Turner and Norv Turner just resigned mid season. Right. So the, the thing about Hugh, who I think won like what five games and some, some ridiculously low total d- during his coaching 10 years, perhaps he had a little bit more success with Oakland at the time, but that came out. Publicly, that got out that, that Mike had, after 2014, had gone to meet with Hugh and like tap Hugh's mind. What can I do? What what can I I know? And I'm sure Norv's like, because Mike deserved credit for the hiring of Norv in 14 based on this. Mike had been a coordinator. Norv had been a head coach. Now, I thought he was not a great head coach, but that's beside the point here. And we... I recall going back on our show, Phil, we talked about, you know, good for Zimmer for having the confidence in himself to know what he knows schematically mm-hmm. and what he doesn't know. And he is bringing in a guy who clearly knows the offensive side of the ball. And Mike is like not threatened. We, we talked about this whole thing because it looked great. Yeah. Um, but then after one year and of all the people, like he didn't go consult with, you know, 
um, a Bill Walsh type, right? He didn't go consult with a guy who, who is known for his offensive genius. He went and consulted with Hugh Jackson and then tried to evaluate Norv. And I'm sure at some point, as we saw then when he quit after the Bears game, Norv Turner just said, screw it. Like, what yeah. are you even doing? You hired me to do this, and now you're telling me you got to run the ball more. You got to do this. So, yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, and as it's been told to us, at one point, Zim brought Norv into his office and just dressed him down for not running the ball enough or for, you know, whatever it was. And Norv basically looked at Zimmer and said, Guy, I'm Norv Bleeping Turner. I know offensive football. You hired me for a reason. If you don't like it, then I'm out. And he left. Um, there may have been more to it. There's been some speculation, but uh, well, can't maybe confirm. Not. Maybe he just left without any altercation. Um, Zimmer quickly grew. Also, the next uh, couple seasons later, Zimmer grew quickly. Uh, I'm sorry, Zimmer quickly grew irritated by John D. Filippo's preference for complex play design, run pass options, and throwing to set up the run. Staples of the Eagles' offense that had torched the Vikings the January before. I'm going to pause there for a second. Mm-hmm. There's another anecdote here. Mm-hmm. They knew exactly what they were getting in John D. Filippo. They knew what system the Eagles ran. They knew that it was much more pass-centric. And so to be shocked and floored that D. Filippo was going to come in here and Kirk Cousins coming on board, we're going to put the ball in this guy's hands. And at the time, it was like, let's see if, if Kirk can be the guy like they can throw the ball 650 times and whatnot. After the Vikings scored 37 points to improve to 4-2-1 against the Jets, sources said. So they they beat the brakes off the Jets on the road, 37-17. to Just destroyed them. And they're 4-2-1. Because remember, the first couple months of the Kirk Cousins era was like, this is great. I mean, they're... Eagles game, right? A great the Packers game. Yeah. yeah, there was the Eagles game. There was also that they lost that Thursday night game against the Rams, but it was like just bang, bang, back and forth. And so they hang 37 points on the Jets, improved to 4-2-1. and one. They win that game by 20 points. And Mike Zimmer lambasted DiFilippo in a team meeting for not running the ball enough. He had made his issues with DiFilippo's approach public after losses in Week 11 and 13 and then fired DiFilippo shortly after. The Vikings would not score more than 24 points the rest of the season following that Jets win where they scored 37. So if you go back, I believe I believe there's an anecdote in that story in Sunday Strib as well about the fact that the biggest hands in the DiFilippo hiring were Spielman. It wasn't Since Mike. Brano. Yeah, I always thought Mike, Mike said, oh, my God, you beat the brakes off my defense. Show, show us how. Um, no, but he's, he's, he's so, not reflective. So let's go. That. So let's so let's start to put the pieces of the puzzle of the deterioration of the very important working relationship between GM and coach together. That would have been definitely a key one because obviously what Mike said was, "I want to run," and I don't know. Like there is a fighting chance that Hugh Jackson went a long way toward ruining Mike. Because, like, like Mike hands-off was probably not great, but okay. But if he said, 
If he had voiced objections to Rick and said, this Steve Filippo guy, I mean, he's going to pass the ball. I, I don't I don't know. I don't know. And Rick said, oh, no, this is what this is where the league is going, Mike. We should do this. Yeah. Um, I could see this as being a big, a big line in the sand as far as the problems, because then I'm sure after a victory over the Jets, who are awful, um, if Mike lambasted DiFilippo, that immediately gets back to Rick, right? And Rick's probably like, well, hold on a second. I got your quarterback. We're scoring points. Everything's great. All you have to do is make sure your defense is as good as possible and not piss people off, and you're causing problems? So, like, that would cause an obvious, because... I think what we're I think what we have found out and are finding out more and more is if you did something that Mike didn't like, Mike was going to get you. Yeah, he just he comes off as so much more petulant and insecure now. The last couple of years in retrospect, there's a couple more anecdotes here. Yep. Sources said that Mike Zimmer gave a Wednesday presentation. So like right this is, this is like a, like, like a week and a half ago. <laughs> Gave a Wednesday presentation about all the bad things that happened to him in his eight years with the Vikings, like Peterson's suspension in 2014, the Bridgewater knee injury, and so on. Leaving the players dumbfounded. So I th- at first I thought when I was reading this, I was like, oh, he like gave a presentation to ownership, which, by the way, like, dude, bad things happen. Adversity happens. It's the NFL. It's life. You got to get over it. Mm-hmm. You got to find a way to overcome, adapt, right? And the fact that like his last sort of his last ditch effort was to say, "Look at all the bad things that have happened to me." It's like, yeah, but dude, bad things happen to a lot of teams and players and coaches. And sorry, we we need someone to be able to overcome those things and not be woe is me. Right. Um, ownership then met a few days later on Monday after the firings took place. Ownership met with players for an honest conversation about the culture change that seems to be coming as the Vikings look for a coach who can better connect with players. Well, first of all, you might want to consider that before, like months before or a year before. I hope you were trying to sit down with guys that you consider to be the pulse of the team long before this to talk about things. It appears that they weren't. The other, the thing, so Mike, Zimmer putting together a presentation for his players about woe is me seems odd, but I would love to do a book someday on the end of football coaches time in places because Brad melted down too. Childress went absolutely nuts. So like, this is not like the, the end a lot of times is ugly. Like it gets bad because they're, they're desperately trying to save their jobs. They're definitely trying to get themselves of, if nothing else, absolved of blame. So, like, that was the least surprising thing. It's funny, but in the end, I mean, these coaches are control freak, right? Egomaniacs. And all of a sudden, they get wind of or know there ain't no net there now. Like, your fault, you're going, and, and they do yeah. anything they can to try and save their own hide. And you know what? Like this is, you know, I know Childress kind of went out the deep end more in 2010. Yeah, but Childress was very hard headed. Players thought that he was a little weird, right? He was very much this is my way or the highway. He for for three years was jamming that kick ass offense down everyone's throats, even though he never had the the right quarterback to run it. And what you need when you have a coach 
who's a little bit my way or the highway or old school or whatever, you need someone to balance him out, an equal or close to equal leader of some kind. And that's where Brett Favre came in in 2009, right? Like Brett Favre came in and almost balanced it out the other way. He's like, no one, no one listened to this guy over here, right? I'm, I'm running the show here. I know that people get mad every time I make it about Kirk Cousins, but if Kirk was more of a dynamic leader of a locker room, I'm not saying all things would have been perfect, but it would have, it would have balanced this out more. Like you, you know, if if those guys had a better relationship, and a lot of this is on Zim for not wanting a better relationship. Yep. But wherever it comes from, and a lot of times it comes from quarterback, right? Bill Belichick, cranky, salty, demands a lot of his players. And Brady was sort of the California cool guy that would come in and be the good cop to the bad cop, and it worked right for the locker room, right? And the Vikings, they, whether it was from the quarterback position, I mean, Teddy Bridgewater kind of provided that for a couple of years, actually, behind the scenes, mm-hmm. even though he was a rookie and a second-year guy. But they never, like, outside of that, they never really had that that balanced-out personality and leader to check Mike Zimmer. And Mike didn't like Kirk, so Kirk couldn't go to, to Mike. I mean, the thing with, with Teddy yeah. was Mike loved him. So Teddy, I'm sure, could go close the door and say, what are you doing? Hey, coach. Yeah, but Mike, face. Mike, Mike, let's change this. With Kirk, it took four years for Mike to agree to sit down once a week to talk, and he hated the guy. Um, yeah. Now, now the problem with Kirk is Kirk's awkward, so he like doesn't know how to break that ice. I mean, it was on Kirk and Mike in eighteen to say it doesn't seem to be going like great between us. We got to get there. In fact, Bradford's first year here because he came late. I think Mike was like Mike. I see and not that great. Um, and I don't know if it was Bradford or or the two of them, but they got Mike, I believe, um, before Bradford's second year that summer to go to Oklahoma and sit down and eat with with Sam and like talk through what, you know, what don't you like? What do you like? Mm-hmm. And and Mike came back and is like, yeah, this guy's great now. So like that's where how does that not take place after at least after 2018, when Kirk can see, I mean, Kirk's an adult, okay? So he's not a child. It's not like, oh, my dad doesn't like me. What should I do? And and also for Mike to say, I'm tying, like it or not, I'm tied to this guy. Like, this is my guy. And he's going to be my guy. So, like, we have to make this work. Not, yeah. I don't like you. I'm going to ignore you for three years. It's weird. It's almost like Zimmer hated the signing so much. And was vindictive about it. Yes. And got more curmudgeonly and salty and harder to be around and deal with, right? That instead of swallowing his pride and saying, all right, this isn't what I wanted. And it's definitely going to erode my defense a little bit because we just can't spend the money to keep guys or sign guys. But I'm going to make this, I'm going to evolve. I'm going to make this work. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to be the best damn, uh, whatever you want to call it. Like I'm going to, I'm going to have the best relationship between a defensive coordinator guy. Yep. And a head and a and a and a quarterback in yep. the NFL that you possibly can have. Like he never, he just well, never. And how did Kirk? And how did Kirk before he signs that contract? If Kirk is truly about trying to win, okay. So because I mean, cl- clearly the contract was great. But if Kirk is about okay, the contract's great, but I want a Lombardi or two. Before you sign, how do you not go out with Mike and say, "Let's talk"? Because I don't think that was a priority for him. Okay, that's a problem. Yeah, that's forward. a big. I think we're we're kind of seeing that's four, a big problem. Four, year, four years of all this awkwardness. Now, now, <laughs> can I give some blame to Rick too, though? Because 
Rick Spielman, I'm a people person. I understand people has now has a full file of things that just from a fundamental human relationship standpoint, he screwed the pooch on. Look, I'm going to give you the, I'm going to give you the one I think is top three at least. So in training camp in 2010, Rice shows up, he's hurt. It's clear he's not going to play for an extended period of time. So Sidney Rice is out. Spielman then tries um, to work a trade for Vincent Jackson with the Chargers at that time. That falls through. The story I've been told is that Rick then finds out that Bill Belichick is shopping Moss. And so Rick goes to Childress and says, I can get you Moss. Can you control him? Now, let's just stop there for a second. (laughs) Let's just say that either of you are on the phone with the Patriots, and you guys watched or covered, in Phil's case, Brad Childress for quite some time. I don't have to ask Brad that question. He can't control him. And Favre and Moss together is literally a chemistry experiment that is going that is going to blow the building up more than a meth lab going wrong would. With without the right coach to control them. But that, but that's yeah. what I'm saying. But would you go to Brad Childress? Like you know Brad's problems. Brad got by with Brett because Brett was Brett. And, but you put Moss and Favre together, you better be one of the best coaches of all time to, to control you, that, and, or really good with people. And then you fast forward. To 2018, very very different circumstance. But Rick kind of did the same thing, right? He, he you know, yes, kind of went to well, Mike Zimmer and said, "Hey, if we not kind of if we sign You're if right. we sign Kirk Cousins here, are you going to be able to make it work?" And you know, and I don't know what Childress's feedback was when that question was asked. Childress might have said, "Oh yeah, oh I think he did, yeah." Uh, 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 but that's fine. You can say uh, yeah, what you yeah. want. I know the truth. And and Mike probably Mike probably. Offered up reservations. I'm guessing Childress said, "Yeah, I mean, this ship is sinking. Let's get some talent in here and see if we can turn." It was worth the long shot because they were bailing water at that point in 2010. Like you might as well take a swing and see what happens. But they weren't <laughs> bailing water in 2018. Like they well. had just went 13 and three, and so like to your point, Rick has tried to sort of shoehorn some things in as the general manager. Yes, without the proper green light from the coach or, or without the right conversation. Hey, I know you're not going to love this, but like, let's get on the same page here. Cause I really think this is what's right for the football team. It was always, well, I guess we disagree, but we're bringing Kirk cousins on board, or I guess we disagree, but we're going to trade back and get this yes. player in the first round and Kellen Mond in the third round, even yes. though you're not going to develop Kellen Mond at all. And, and Mike, then you're going to make fun of him at press conferences. <laughs> and Mike was Rick's guy. Like you literally said, screw you when you hired him. If I'm the Wilkes, by the way, th- right this there, article, fireable. See ya. this article details that those guys really hit it off early. Like the yes. interview process, they bonded over being, you know, over their dads being football coaches, and they bonded over having kind of an old school ethos when it comes to coaching and running a team. And then over the course of time, I mean, the fork in the road here, everything points to 2018. Filippo was a fork in the road. Cousins was a fork in the road. And that's when everything started to erode. And the indictment on Zimmer is, listen, man, you got to adapt too. Okay? You're not, <laughs> yeah. you, you can't just replicate 2017 over and over and over again. 
That was that was you caught lightning in a bottle, and then you got whooped in the NFC Championship game. Okay, what's the next evolution? You can't. You're not going to have the well, the, the 1985 Bears so right. defense eroded over the course of three years. Like yep. you can't keep the number one defense for five years. And the thing too, and this is the Wilfs. The thing too, especially in th- this sport, is probably true of all sports, but especially this one in particular. In almost every situation, when it comes to coaches or players, it's better to cut bait early than late. The loss to the Niners in the playoff game in 19 should have been it for Mike. In retrospect, that's crystal clear now. And it wouldn't have been for Rick, I don't believe. But, like, if you were going to lose to the Saints and fire and or possibly trade to Dallas, Mike, um, that one win, clearly with what we're now seeing as far as things coming out, with the culture, that one win shouldn't have saved him. And especially when Kirk was tied to you and you knew that. Like, in that sense, I fault Kirk too. But at some point in time, when you're paying a quarterback as much as Kirk, you have to close the office door and say, this guy's a big baby and he can't really lead. But he's got some talent. Who gets that from him? And the answer would never be in a thousand years, a guy who hates his guts, Mike Zimmer. Yeah. So come on. It's tough because all, all of this stuff was percolating on the inside. But on the outside, they just beat the Saints on the road in the playoffs. And okay, but that's like, what I'm saying. you got to make tough calls. steps forward here. Sometimes you got to yeah. do tough things, man. So that's, that's all the reporting that's been coming out over the weekend from Deion Sanders, of all people, and from Ben Gessling and the Star Tribune. And also, mm-hmm. you know, we mixed in some things that we've been hearing throughout the last several weeks there as well. You got one more thing on that? I've got one more thing. I've got one more thing. Please play the reckless speculation sounder. I've had this theory, and now I think it's 1,000% true, and it's ready for public consumption. I think Mike and Rick spent the, at least if if not the entire, the end of this year playing hostage with with each other's players. And I'm going to give you (laughs) one perfect one. I thought this at the time, but now I think it's 1,000% true. Mike, as far as I know, couldn't stand Kyle Sloter. Yes. So at the end of the season, he mysteriously spends about a week and a half on the roster again, okay? <laughs> it's hilarious. But, but here's why. Here is, here is the hostage crises that we encountered and didn't know about. The three third-round picks now, because Jones played a bit. But Wyatt Davis, Kellen Mond, Chaz Surratt were held hostage by Mike. The Davis thing is now BS. Like, could was he perfect? No. The Chiefs took deactivated. A, the all the, year, the Chiefs took a guard in the sixth round who's been starting all season. Three rounds yeah. after Wyatt Davis. Okay, yes. Kel, Kellen Mond was he going to play? No. But was he so unable to play that that he just like Wyatt Davis deactivated throughout the course of the entire year? And then when he was in for three snaps. The coach said, you saw him. He also looked completely unprepared in those three snaps, almost like the coaching staff had spent zero time with him. Hey, kid, uh, just uh, go run the scout team all year and just try to mimic Aaron Rodgers. Hostage. Try to mimic Justin Fields. He was a hostage. Right? He was yeah. a hostage. He should should have Dude. put out a um, so, some type of thing saying, I'm safe. <laughs> My name is Kellen Mond. I'm with the Vikings. Don't inquire about my whereabouts. Blink twice yeah. if you're okay. Yeah, honest Tell to God. Because Rick, why, I kept thinking, why did Rick go get Kyle Sloter? I, I now know why. It's, no, it's, yeah. It was it's, a tit for I a love tat. that theory, man. 
I love that. Thing. Bleep you. No bleep you. Reckless speculation. <laughs> All right. Let's, uh, let's rifle off some statements here, some, some Vikings-related statements on this Monday. Super wild card weekend Monday. Joe, why don't you start us off here? Right? Let, De- let Dex go. Uh, you go first? I've been babbling a lot. Okay. okay. I can go first. All right. Okay. All right. I can go first. <laughs> okay. No problem. No problem. Okay. Uh, my first statement, very simple. Do not jump. To conclusions. It's not it's not an office space reference, believe it or not. Do not jump to your conclusions. I'm referring to those who have completely written off Kellen Moore as the yeah, next I'm coach a, of the Vikings or any I'm team out. in the NFL. I'm in that boat. You might as well just speak directly to me. Okay. I am out no, on Kellen yeah. Moore after what we saw yesterday. Okay. I'll join you guys. So you're speaking to both of us. Here. Okay. okay. Two things. Number one, go watch Emmanuel Acho's breakdown of that play from Twitter this morning and actually why it was a smart play, but it was executed poorly. He has a very good explainer on it for the X's and O's. If you'd like even more of a football brain than this savant himself, I do recommend rec- uh, watching what he had to say about it. Uh, but I'm also going to regurgitate what I've been saying, too, about Kellen Moore, that he is obviously a smart offensive dude. He led that team to the number one offense in the NFL last year. He took a practice squad quarterback and beat you. He had backups playing last season. That offense was still league average. Now, is he ready to be a leader? Is he ready to pick his team up in a big situation like a playoff game yesterday and get them to make a huge comeback to go down the field and pull off the win? My point is you you see the QB sneak and you're automatically like, oh, that was the dumbest play call, and and we can absolutely have that conversation, and that's probably a good case to be made. That was a horrible play call. But here's the thing. That entire game, D'Amico Ryans, who's that D.C. of the San Francisco 49ers and someone the Vikings are also going to be planning to interview, you're telling me that D'Amico Ryans' prevent defense throughout that entire final drive was not also in question as well? So if D'Amico, if Kellen Moore and the Cowboys go down the field, and they get the touchdown. And D'Amico Ryan surrenders like 85 yards in 40 seconds. Oh, out. Out on D'Amico Ryan's. I can't do it. We can't just jump to that conclusion after one play in one game. Um, I, I, I understand why people are doing that, but Kyle Shanahan's the offensive coordinator for the Falcons in 2016. I know Shanahan's not the reason the Falcons blew a 28-3 lead, but guess what? He was still a culprit of that team. He gets a head coaching job the next season. We can't just absolutely pigeonhole ourselves into one play to say, I'm out. I'm completely out on that guy. Let these teams do the vetting process. They're smarter than me. They're probably smarter than both of us. Let them figure that out. Don't jump to conclusions. I would. I disagree with that last part. I think we found out that, like, especially <laughs> with own, owners of a, owners of a football team, have no clue what they're doing. Like they're like they're any one of us would be able to get in a room and yeah, yeah they're just they're fans. They're fans. Yeah. But all right. So I will say one thing you did not address is. The aggressive Eli Manning face that Kellen Moore exudes during big moments of pressure. Got some weird teeth. Not in love with it. He's got kind of that <laughs> dumbfounded, like... You guys, terrible. I love it. He's got the dumbfounded Eli Manning face. No, but so so here's where I'm out on Kellen Moore. And Mike McCarthy, as the overlord of this buffoonery, might actually get fired. Like I could see Jerry Jones firing Mike McCarthy. Because he's he might lose... Dan Quinn's interviewing for jobs. He's the DC. Kellen Moore's... You know, if if you're uh, if you're Jerry Jones, do you want to lose Dan Quinn and Kellen Moore, mm-hmm. and Mike McCarthy is just left over? Like, oh, got the, <laughs> like, the, <laughs> the, the buffoon at the dinner table. Of course, Darren Rodgers. Uh, so some of this falls on McCarthy, but what I didn't like was just how like disoriented those last two plays were. 
total lack of communication among the players, coaching staff to the players. The other thing, too, so I saw I did not see Emmanuel Acho's breakdown. I did see Dan Orlovsky's breakdown on Get Up this morning. And, and we've heard this before that – let me quiz you guys. How many seconds on the clock when you have, when you have no timeouts left and you're going to run a play that doesn't get out of bounds, what is sort of like the cutoff for how many seconds teams are told – if you have this many seconds, you can run a play and still get up to the line and spike it. If it's under this mark, you're probably screwed. I'm guessing, but I, I would say 20. I would say 12. Ooh. So six, 16 is the is okay, the number right the that you'll hear from yeah. from players and teams. And this was 14. So they had they had 14 seconds yes. left, yes. and they run this quarterback sneak. It's like, oh, so on one hand, it was a brilliant play. They weren't expecting it. They gained a big chunk of yardage. Yes. But there wasn't enough time left to even start that play, unless you were going to get down earlier. So you're talking about we're going to we're at the 40 yard line. We're going to run a play that gets us maybe 10. They wound up getting like 15 yards out of it, but but gaining the 15 yards ran the clock out. And you could say, well, but the official barreled in. The officials got to spot the ball. Like, yep. So so you've got a quarterback that doesn't know that he's supposed to give the ball to the official. Which you got wide receivers, by the way, and a tight end that are uh, that are like putting their arms up. Are we snapping it? Are we spiking it? Like no one's communicating. So you're you're so you you've got this. Br- we're brilliant. We're going to out scheme. We're going to run a quarterback sneak. No one's going to expect it, and yet you don't have enough time. No one's communicating on what happens next. Right? The quarterback doesn't know to give the ball to the official, not the center. Just a total lack of focus, communication, preparation all around. And maybe some of it's on Dak for like not knowing what to do. But a lot of it's also on the coaching staff not preparing them for that crisis moment. Who hasn't coached a player? Who doesn't learn early? The official always spots the ball. Yeah. Like there's never been a time. I mean, Larry Fitzgerald, who is the, who is the hallmark example for this type of play sprints to the official and hands him the ball. He didn't do it because he's a moron. He did it because it's necessary. Like, how does Dak Dak not know that, especially with that play call? And and how was that not, like, are you telling me that you called a play, you don't practice? Because if you practiced that play, handing the ball to your center is never the option. Yeah. Like that was well, here, mismanagement on every level, and it's very concerning to see that crap. Here's another one. All right, so I, I would be curious to see the analytics on this, and maybe I'm wrong, but I would rather take two shots of the end zone yes. from the forty than run a risky play like they did that might run the clock out. And even if you spike it, okay, so. Mm-hmm. Was was it worth giving up a shot at the end zone to be 10 to 15 yards closer for what's basically another kind of Hail Mary? Nope. Why not just take two shots at the end zone? So I question a lot of things. It just it felt like a total cluster bleep, and it definitely scares me off on Calamore. Or or to take a shot to the sideline to get the to get the clock stopped, right? Like if that if that's your choice, your only non choice is let's keep the ball in play. That's not With a choice. With 14 seconds With 14 left. seconds yeah. left. And and if any if any part of your play calling in that situation involves the phrase we need the official to do his job, you're an idiot. <laughs> yeah, and the official did do his job. Right, he, but I he sprinted up But they wanted him to go ball, quicker. They literally it. were they they were upset he didn't go quicker, okay? Oh, if get in the ball. If you're relying on that guy, I mean, these are guys in worse shape than me. Like you're literally going to a, a lot of them are a lot of them are 
There's some. There. Oh God, were there some bad ones this weekend too? So, so you're not even like even a little bit concerned about what happened there in that game? You're sure. I not mean, even like a little bit. A, a bit, a tiny bit. I'm very concerned. But also, that's where I'm. I'm going to trust that people are smarter than me to bet no. that process. Yes, I am. No, don't trust. I'm, going, no. I'm not going to be a keyboard warrior and assume that you're because not. I'm watching a game you're on smarter. a TV that I know more about Kellen Moore being a leader. I'm not going, and I like Kellen Moore. I've been advocating him since like week five of this season. But I'm I'm also not going to just jump to the conclusion that I'm out. I can't do that. But I as a head coach, it, it is where I come from. Is where as a head coach, here's how you can. Sometimes you have to just read between the lines with leadership. As a head coach, it is your or as a coordinator, it is your responsibility to make sure your players know little intricate details. The fact that the quarterback in a panicked crisis mode didn't know to give the ball to the official yes, is. You. A, a glaring red flag mm-hmm. when it comes to the Cowboys' attention to detail coaching. And he very well and maybe can, it's yeah. maybe it's more McCarthy, but like Kellen Moore is in that room too. And he might be so. someone that still needs a few more years as a seasoning as a coordinator before he's a head coach. That could very well still be a possibility. He's, like he's a young guy, like, or yeah, he might just be a he's moron. A young, he's a young dude. We, we didn't know it. I don't think he's a moron. Well, I mean that play call I was. A, I don't a think he's a moronic play call. Okay, I'd like to talk to him <laughs> yeah. myself. Not dumb. <laughs> I'd, I'd like to talk right. to him and find out. Are you a moron, Kellen? Are you a moron? Because that play screamed moron. All right, Judd, your first statement. Okay, my uh, my first <laughs> statement on this statement Monday is the third domino will fall, and by that I mean this. So often in life, as as things that we liked or think or put on a pedestal fall apart, we say. We say, okay, those things are gone, but I mean, now you've got the ingredients with this current group, right? Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, the trio that was the face of the Vikings until the last week was Rick Spielman, Mike Zimmer, and Kirk Cousins. They are tied together. Kirk Cousins is going to be traded. Kirk Cousins is, there is going to be, I don't see any GM and coach who gets here and and says, you know what we really need to do? We need to build around a veteran QB. In fact, if I'm a coaching candidate or, hell, GM, I say what we got to do is get a young – we, we got to find our guy. We got to find our guy. And Kirk Cousins ain't it. He's had his shots here. I honestly think if Kirk – Kirk needs to be given the opportunity to be freed and to find out if he can truly win with a coach – who loves him, okay? Um, I think that there's a lot of coaches in this league who who will like Kirk. Mike couldn't stand him. But I don't think there's going to be a ton of coaches who love Kirk at this age now, at this cap hit. And so I spent the entire Sunday fighting with the Cousins stands. And Saturday. Kirk Crusaders. Well, it got aggressive. My <laughs> timeline now is fire, is fire of people. Who, it's Night of the Living Dead, who, man. It's just Kirk Crusader zombies. Just and I'm trying. I'm trying to explain this. This is not about politics. It's not about religion. It is about. It is about personality to a certain degree because I don't think the Kirk is wired correctly uh, to be the type of guy who can ever win a Super Bowl. In fact, I'll say this right now: he will never. He will never. He will be lucky to get to a conference championship game before his career is done. Um, and the solution, I think, is simple. And we saw it yesterday. San Francisco is probably going to lose its next game. 
I like them. They're a good team. I really do. Um, but they're probably going to, to lose. Jimmy G is not the guy. And I don't know that Trey Lance being plugged in next year is going to to take things over and be as successful as this current team in San Fran wants. In other words, it's clear as day. Trey Lance comes to the Vikings. Kirk wow, Cousins. You're, just, you're going there. Kirk you're Cousins. Going there. No, but you're I mean, it, it's, it's what Kyle wants. It's what Kyle wants. Do you think it's they would really Kirk trade wants? Trey Lance? I think John a Lynch five-year rookie scale contract for Kirk Cousins. I think John Lynch would get in. Would try and stop it. But do I think that Kyle would? Shanahan, absolutely. So in. Yes, I mean, the, yes, well, I do think not- he would. He he could win in his mind, and this is all that matters in Kyle Shanahan's mind. He would think, I can do it now. So interesting. I do agree on the final domino. This isn't like you know Rick Spielman done. and Mike Zimmer getting blown out doesn't mean that like the organization that Kirk won and the organization is right. is going to build around him. I, mean, I think the most the, the two most telling things from the last week when you're looking this is all of the stories that have come out and everything that everyone's hearing now is that there was just a major void in leadership here. GM coach not talking to each other. Coach actively, you know, dismissing players and creating a culture of fear. I just lack of leadership. Mm-hmm. All right, so where can we turn for organizational leadership? What about the quarterback, right? Maybe he was just being suppressed and held down. It's like, well, okay, he literally came out after week 18 and said, quote, I just kind of go to work. I really <laughs> insulate myself. I just know that I have a job to do, and I try to do the the job the best I can, and that's that. He's like, I he literally said, "I work here." We joke about "I just work here," guy. He literally said, "I just work here." I yep. don't look at me. I just want to throw passes and exactly. make thirty million dollars. And then, of course, after the firings, you're looking for okay, organizational leadership. Who are the leaders? Who are the front people who who are going to speak no. on behalf no. of what they want this thing to look like? Okay, Thielen, Kendricks, and Brian O'Neill come out and speak. We literally have heard nothing from the quarterback of this team. And so if leadership is a problem in this organization, which it is, and the ownership knows that, then they're going to trade the quarterback that eats up 20% of the salary cap, providing near zero leadership. Yes. It just can't happen right now, but it will happen. I agree with you. And Kirk's uh, potential saving grace here would have been if Rick stayed, right? Because Rick might might have gotten in the new GM's ear and been like, I signed this guy. I mean, we saw it's all Mike's fault. But my question now is, Who's here who's going to try to save Kirk? Nobody. Yeah, the only thing would be like if a GM or a coach comes in and says, I don't think a GM would, though. I think a, a GM is going to say, let's let's get younger and cheaper here, and let's let's get some more upside maybe in a year or two in the draft. Yeah. Now, could a coach come in and say, boy, I'd love, <laughs> to, I'd love to expedite this. I think I can get more out of it. Because coaches are going to think, Boy, if he just surround him with some offensive infrastructure, and I think a lot of fans think that too. Well, imagine if he had a better, more offensive-minded, empowering coach sure. than Mike Zimmer, because Kirk was dealt a really crappy hand with Mike Zimmer as a head coach and with Clint Kubiak as a coordinator over the last year. And so I think a lot of people are just making the leap that if you give him the infrastructure that he needs finally, then you're going to see this beast unleashed. And I think that's a little bit fool's gold. I think it's kind of a mirage. And I also think that when you're talking about a, thir- a soon-to-be 34-year-old that's been in the NFL for 10 years, been a starter for seven, and we're still talking about, but like if you can just right. mold the circumstances yep. better, it's like, I mean, at some point, he is a common denominator for the circumstances. Mm-hmm. 
So I agree with you. The third, the the, the third, what did you call third it? Third leg. That sounds weird. The third wheel. The third leg will drop. The third domino. <laughs> the third is, domino. is what I said. The third, but but I mean, he is going to go. Yeah. And people, yeah. and and what I want to see then is how many of you cousins crusaders stand by him, and how many of you go Judas and disown him. <laughs> I, I never really liked him. I mean, that was my friend Larry. Larry liked him. I didn't really like Kirk that much. Who's our next quarterback? Because that's coming it's, next. I hated Zimmer. Like, but two weeks ago, you told me Mike wasn't going to be fired. Ah, they made the right change now. It's also just such a weird uh, worked up today. hill to die on. Like, I could Monday. see, you know, if you're like a Zach Parisi fan or something like, yeah, they went to the playoffs, you know, seven years, and he was a favorite. Suter or Koivu fan? <laughs> All the Grandland. Yeah, but that's true. It's the same type of thing, too. Like, what have they ever done anything with him? He's not, like, he's not, he doesn't have a personality. I don't know. The whole thing is just weird. Um, I got a statement here for you guys. But first, Federated Insurance has been uh, great at helping business owners with peace of mind, risk management. They have all sorts of tools and people that can help you. Information available at federatedinsurance.com. Think of them as an offensive line protecting your business against risk. That's what they provide. Been around for over 100 years, based in Owatonna. They are one of us. Federatedinsurance.com. And remember at Federated, it's our business to protect yours. All right, my, uh, my first statement here is this is the most excited I've been for Vikings football in so long. And I feel like I said that last week, too. But I'm even more excited now. Now that the interviews are taking place. Yeah. You got like so they've already interviewed a GM candidate. They, we're going to talk more about Nathaniel Hackett, who was the first head coaching interview yesterday, and we'll play a couple of clips from him too on Purple Daily. So check that out today. But uh, they interviewed uh, who is it? is it Monty uh, Asen Fort something from the Monty, Titans, uh, yep. the seventeen-year Patriots guy, right? As yep. a GM, yep. Minnesota and then uh, today they're interviewing Catherine Raish mm-hmm. and Quezzi Adolfo Mensa. For the GM positions, and then Brandon Brown tomorrow. Um, Wolf and Cook of the Browns are going to go on Thursday. Spy Tech is also this week, so there all these interviews Spy are taking place. Let's guy, let's set a new Spy Tech. Spy John Tech. Spy Tech. Let's set some Spy new Tech, culture. Let's get John. some new thinking, some new leadership, some more positivity, some optimism. I'm ready for it. I'm excited for Vikings football, even though they don't have any leaders right now. <laughs> Honestly, I, I, I'll, I'll piggyback off that, too, and say it, it's go time. It is go time for Vi- for the next era of Vikings football. It's go time. Yes. Interviews are being made. The sting of the firing has came and went. It's time for the Vikings to narrow things down, dude. They don't have to to jump and rush to make a hire, like I think a lot of fans do. I don't think you need you can just sit on your hands and be patient, but you you, you need to start making these next moves, and I'm, I'm excited for the next era of football, can they find a combo that's engaged? Are they going to be adapted to the modern NFL? What are they going to do about Kirk? I know we're going to talk about Hackett on Purple Daily, but I'm actually more intrigued by him in the last like 48 hours than I had been before. Um, and at least on paper, the Vikings are doing some really interesting GM candidates here, dude. Like they're interviewing personnel and people who have led their respective teams to success. And I'm really curious if they can pry that person away and adapt those things to the Vikings. So. It's go time, baby. I'm all in. Let's get it. Let's go. Oh, yeah. You guys are excited. That's great. I, I think that's really good. Here's my next that's statement. not very sincere. It wasn't. Yeah, that, that, it was, was not. That, that was, well, you know, I am so you're, excited. Like, you, so you basically think that they have already screwed this up. Uh, that's going to that be my next statement. Attitude is I, actually, you, okay. you're playing in perfectly. How? To my next statement. Just hold on a second. 
Statement is this. Declan, Declan already takes offense. The statement is this. <laughs> call me. The Wilfs. I want you to give me a call, and I want you to do it ASAP. Cell phone's right here, and here's why. I want to see your list. I want to know what the questions are. Um, the list that came out on Saturday through through various media sources, um, I was told on background is not the end of the list, but I'm going to tell you right now, it had some people I like, but it didn't knock my socks off. I want to be. I want to have my socks knocked off before before I buy in mm. to the excitement being expressed by my colleagues. So I will ask a couple of very fair questions. Where's Brian Dable on that list? Is he there yet? I want to see impressive. it. Pretty I want to see it. Where is um, let's say Byron? Leftwich, because you're going to talk to Todd Bowles, who's a D.C., who's had coaching experience before that didn't go well, and he's the D.C. for the Buccaneers. But Leftwich, who is a very hot coordinator candidate, who's a former QB, who, by the way, appears to have the have the um, skill to rally men, um, I didn't see him. I'd like to see this list. I'd like to know what you're doing. I'd like to – I feel like I'm the, the – teacher who says let's see your notes first before you start your paper because i want to make sure that you're going in the right direction and that list i kind of i got a full disclosure i wasn't i didn't hate it but i want to love it i want to love it and i want to make sure that people who because i disagree with dex completely are the wilfs billionaires and no and no 10 times more about business than me Hundred percent would never ever ever say. Hey, I'd like to see your books on your. No, no, no. But when it comes to football, am I going to say I'm going to bet back off here? Absolutely not. And and if you get the GM higher right, it can all flow. But if you screw it up, okay. it's not going to. So call me, ask me, or tell me what you're doing, and I can give you a thumbs up or I can give you a thumbs down. But it's going to help you. Okay, a couple things here. So I would I would like to see Brian Dable, Eric Bieniemy, Byron Leftwich, and Doug Peterson. Doug Peterson might not show up on a list because right. he, he's not currently employed. But I'd, I'd love to see those four in the mix. Yep, get a feel for them. Okay, doesn't yep. mean it can't happen at some point. Yep. Uh, I also feel like, and maybe Declan can, uh, maybe this can be an intervention here. I feel like sometimes you get panicky too early. Like you're criticizing them for a process that is in the early stages of playing out here, but is it? and you're criticizing them. They're going like they haven't even interviewed. They've interviewed two of these fifteen. Candidates. No, but I'm saying and there are the list twenty candidates. But are, oh, okay, so if you could, but that's why I would like to know exactly what they're doing. Yeah, l- listen, I'll, I'll tell you. So I right now, I'm, I, I'm all aboard the Nathaniel Hackett wagon here, just doing some more. Digging on him over the weekend too. He was already on my list of four. Sure, like early in the in the discussion. Uh, if they hire Nathaniel Hackett, I don't like it's a good hire. And if and if they hire Nathaniel Hackett without talking to Byron Leftwich, should they probably have talked to Byron Leftwich? Maybe, but like I think Nathaniel Hackett is going to be a really good head coach. So I'm not gonna let's let's let it, let's let it play. Yeah, out. let it play out. These are the these are the people who allowed their coach and GM to not talk for months. I, okay. But they fired those guys. They moved on from. But those they did guys. it too late. We we could have gotten in front of, of this. This should be this should be your only calling, in my 
opinion. Like, I know you own a ton of stuff, but were you really not aware that your the head of your football organization wasn't talking? Well, I think I don't. I think it got that bad this year, though. Well, like, I don't saying, think they. It's not like they weren't talking. No, two I know, years but ago. I don't care. If, when if you say that, that, when you say this firing should have happened earlier, I agree. But earlier to me was a year ago. Like they sure. should have done this yes, a year ago. Yes. But but like if those guys and is it bad if they didn't know that those guys weren't talking in November? Communicating like, that's really bad because I'm sure they. But talk. once it get once it gets to that point, you know it's November. I get there in a playoff hunt, but like, are you gonna? Are you what are you gonna do? Fire? I guess you Mike. could have fired Spielman like three weeks earlier. But I mean, you you but, could have fired Mike weeks ago. But I'm a not month like. Ago. Could they have handled this differently and have been a little bit more punctual in their attentiveness to it? Yes. Does that mean that they are actively botching the search? I'm not ready to go there. Maybe you're going to be right. Right, but I'm, but saying, I'm what not if ready I am to right? say that right now. I, I'm oh, stepping okay. in right now to help them. Then we all die. I don't I'm, know. Help, I'm stepping in right now to help <laughs> them. I'm what if I'm in, right? I don't know. I'm, I'm stepping in. Look, I'm telling you, I don't trust them. That's suppressing what, okay, my what's, excitement. What's your, what other than call me? What's your solution here? They should get a few more names on the like coaching the, I'd, I think, list. Yes, and I also think that that I'd love to know what the thought process is exactly in talking to coaches. Like, what are they? Because if they're saying, you know, we're going to probably bring in X Y Z as GM, can you work with them? And we will flat out tell you right now, coach. You know, we don't know what we're talking about, but we do know that. This guy or gal might be GM. Then it's cool. But if they're like conducting searches that are are like they've got a clue on coaches, and these guys aren't exactly the person personality um, analysts. So like I, I've also have I have some fears that this is business people and football people. And I want people that can actually understand personality types. Because well, a lot of the things that we're discussing go to a place that this franchise with the Wilfs has never been. Brad, Rick, Mike. I mean, Frazier is the only guy that comes to mind. And I don't think that he could lead men. But I do think that he, he had empathy and understood people. Mm-hmm. He's the one guy. Yep. It's also really hard to find head coaches that are empathetic but also like holding people accountable and brilliant schemers and mm-hmm. so that's that's where I'm interested to see where this list goes. I will say cuz I know that you've also you've also raised a red flag about it's weird that they are simultaneously interviewing GM and coaching candidates. Why not just leave the coaching side to the GM that you hire? And I would say you can't just go like two plus weeks without yeah. expressing interest in Nathaniel. Yeah. You you got at least I'm cool with that. Flirt with him, but like what are you doing? But what are you doing? Are you are are you saying we like you and would like to talk to, to you more? Or they are not talking X's and O's with these guys, right? Because what coaches. I don't what I don't They're want not. what I don't want them uh, to do is to pare this list down and give it to the new GM and say pick from this. I want but, them. But, okay, but don't you think it's likely they're saying, "All right, there's a there's a bunch of names out there that are interesting, and we've done some sleuthing on this. Like sure. they've clearly done some background on this. Okay, here are some names. It's an incomplete list. Obviously, we'd like to see Bienemy, Peterson, Leftwich, Brian Dable. It's weird that some of those guys aren't on the list. But don't you think they're saying, "Let's just start. Let's just get a feel for what we think of some of these guys, and then once we hire a new GM, we can say, "Hey, so we had some conversations. We really like this and this." 
you go ahead and have conversations too. And if there's another name or two that we should talk to, yes. let's do I'm it. I'm cool with that. Like to me, it's it's collaborative. Okay. I think I don't if, know, if that's right. what they're doing, cool. That's why I want to know more. Dex, do you think they're screwing this up? No, I don't think they're screwing this up at all. They've screwed up before. Yeah, but like, do you want to win a championship? Two years ago, <laughs> or be positive. Look, the dog. All right, Judd, I'm, you're really good. At I'm going grim at the here. here. I'm going to go very. There's a grim. lot of problems in sports. I'm going to go very grim. All right, with this comparison, Spielman and Zimmer were dogs on their last days over the last few years. You, you, you could have put the dog down two years ago, but you kept the dog around. Okay, mm-hmm. and now selfishly. your family, yes, yeah, selfishly, and now your family is looking for a new dog, and you're like, well, you know what? We really should have kept. We should have put Sparky down two years before we did. When we're looking for the new dog in the family, we're not. We don't. <laughs> Actually, that's Sparky true. It's that's dead. true. Sparky we put is gone. Holly down early because of that. Because oh she God. she wasn't what? doing so well. Oh we God. we could have exten- we could have extended her life Holly. by six months. But you know what? Judd Kevorkian. She, she was in bad shape. She was miserable, and that poor dog could couldn't couldn't go down our stairs. Without pooping, I don't know exactly why, but that's what she did. And Dawn, Dawn said, rightfully so, you know what? This is not fair to the dog. I'm going to tell you right now, it's a problem when when a group of men in a locker room have guys who aren't talking, aren't, and you're like, let's just wait. Got to put the dog down early sometimes for the betterment of everybody, including the dog. Okay. okay, but the dog is the dog, dog is, gone. is gone. Right, the right. Dog but, is I dead. Don't, but I don't. We're looking for a new dog. Right, now. but you have problems in in dog shopping. You have shown predispositions to make wrong moves before. I come come along as the dog whisperer, and I tell you, I'll offer up my consultation because I know more about this than you do in in some ways. So I will help. Here's another disconnect we have. You look at. Zimmer and Childress and think that the Wolves royally screwed up. But they didn't. Those were two winning coaches that went to NFC Championship games and wound up not being good enough to win a Super Bowl, which is the ultimate goal. But they weren't like train wreck coaches. They they were winning coaches for the Vikings. Right. So I don't I don't view those hires as screw ups. I view them as, oh, they took a shot, they were competitive, okay. they went to the NFC Championship game, and then it was time to move on. Right, right. But this is not black and white. This is very gray, okay? On Brad, and th- this is when, a year after the Wilfs had bought the team, Brad came here, and I think he was the first guy that they talked to here, and he threatened him. And he said, if I leave, uh, I'm going to Green Bay, uh, and I'm going to take that job. That's nonsense. The, the Green Bay Packers were not going to hire a guy who basically had the personality of Mike Sherman, okay? So the Wilfs got played. Because this should be a process. I agree with that. Like, And again, if this list is 14 names, great. But the Wolves got played there. Okay, that's their first year. Let's say they evolved and changed. I remember asking Wilf early on when I was still covering the team for the Strib after Spielman had gotten his job, which I think was executive vice president of football operations at the time. And Ziggy loved him. And he was like, he's great. He does this. And I said, why don't you... Na- Name him GM then. Like, if he's that good, have a head of football ops. Well, it turned out that Brad had control of the roster in his contract. But Wilf was like, oh, no, I mean, this is great. And I'm like, more chefs ain't great, Ziggy. That ain't that ain't great. And so then on Mike, on Mike, I agree. Mike was good. In fact, I am here not to crap on Mike because that's not fair. He did, thing, he did things wrong at the, the end. But the problem with Mike is... 
and it came to a head is the Wilfs then had two people in Spielman and Mike who didn't understand people at all. And one of them has to. So that's what I'm saying. So I'm not I'm not saying black and white. Zimmer sucked and Spielman sucked and and Childress sucked. What I'm telling you is what what I'm asking is what's their process to have learned from that and I don't have complete confidence that aging people like me can learn like oh we're going to go to a class and learn how to read people. And so that's my concern. I'm good. I I am blessed with the talent of being able to tell a lot about people. I like some of them. I don't. Um, I don't think the Wills have that. And I think that's how like Rick and Mike got to be these two control freaks. And nobody, nobody could read the room, which in 2022 in sports is imperative. So I'm not saying it's destined to fail. I'm saying are they finding new ways to approach this? Because if they're not, we are going to repeat lots of, of the same problems. And I, for one, want this team to win a Super Bowl. Can't do it with people that can't read people at all. Yeah. And I think everything you just said there is valid. I think Declan and I internalize all of that and say, yeah, there's definitely a risk that they could hire the wrong right. person. I guess we'll see what happens in the next week. But, but that's what the fans and say. And you're like, oh, my God, we're all going to yeah, die. Be- be- because this this godforsaken <laughs> show is the o- is the only show we're all looking that up. represents yeah, all looking up, right? the best interest of the fans. But like, we're all looking we're not, up. We all see the comet. It's it, there's yeah. a chance it might hit. Yes, okay. but I mean, we're we're, all, no, none of us are looking down. But I mean, we are the one show in this town that tries to bring reality and mix that with how do you get a championship? And I feel like. I think- you know, all the Wilfs know a ton. No, they don't. <laughs> I think there's some. I think there's some home runs on this on these lists, and I would like to see a couple more names on the list. But we'll see. We'll you see. Just what made we sh- <laughs> you just made the you list. You just made the list. That's a fun all conversation, right. actually. We're gonna kind of we're gonna carry over some of this onto uh, Purple Daily here. We're gonna talk a lot about Nathaniel Hackett on Purple Daily oh. today. He was the first head coaching candidate out of the gate yesterday to be interviewed. And um, there's some interesting, interesting comments from current and former players about him that we'll get into. So check that out on Purple Daily. Mackie and Judd's statements, the uh, the deep dive, the the autopsy, if you will, into uh, the culture of the Vikings. So um, if you're watching us on the Score on the YouTube channel, definitely hit the subscribe button and click the like button too. If uh, if you want daily Minnesota sports fodder, entertainment, speculation, therapy, we'll see you guys tomorrow. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton bike, Bike Plus, or Tread. And take your workout to the next level with accessories like non-slip grip dumbbells, a heart rate monitor, cycling shoes, and more. Peloton, motivation that moves you. This limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access membership separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.